been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone and welcome to this special bonus edition of the Recruiting Future podcast. Back in April, I ran a live podcast conference on the future of talent acquisition in partnership with a brilliant team at TA Tech. We had 10 excellent speakers across five topic sessions, and I'm delighted to now be able to bring you the content as a series of podcasts. I'm releasing these every Friday for the next few weeks, so if you don't want to miss them, make sure you've subscribed to the show. Following on from the recruitment marketing and the recruitment advertising sessions that I've already published, this week's episode looks at the role of technology in the future of diversity, equity and inclusion. I was joined in the discussion by two brilliant guests, Trina Himes, Global VP of Sales at diversity sourcing platform Telenia and Global Communications and Branding Leader Charu Malhotra. So I'm Charu Maltra. I'm based in London and I work in global employer branding, talent and culture. So I've been lucky enough over the last 15 years to work for organisations like McKinsey, Unilever, Ferrero and BP, always in that sort of lovely intersection of recruitment and culture and, and branding. So Looking forward to this conversation. Fantastic. And Trina, introduce us and tell us what you do. Yes. Um, hello, and thank you for inviting me to attend this podcast. And hello, Taru. So I am Trina Himes. I am the Global uh, VP of Sales here at Tanya. And we are a diversity sourcing platform. We are the premier company in our space that has an AI-powered uh, data and behavioral science technology that helps companies top a funnel to increase their diversity talent pool. So I am extremely excited to be here and looking forward to our conversation. Fantastic stuff. So as ever with all of these conversations, I want to start with a bit of context to to frame things. So diversity and inclusion, it's, it's never been as major talking point as it has been in the last 12 months. But is it actually a major focus? Is anything actually changing? I mean, what what are you seeing from employers? Charu, do you want to give us your perspective? Yeah, I, I absolutely. So I don't think you're incorrect. It has had a much louder uh, focus in the last, I think, two years uh, than it ever has done. Um, and I think organisations, large and small, have looked at diversity and inclusion probably for the last five years but with a, a narrative that's been primarily focused on external recruitment, you know, from sourcing to a branding uh, to that whole kind of employee life cycle, uh, sorry, candidate life cycle before they become an employee. Um, I think certainly the last couple of years has been more of a um, an investigative and, and view on how does the employee think about diversity and inclusion? How does it matter? Um, which has been welcomed, but have things changed, which is your question? I don't believe they have. Um, I think there's been a lot of noise around it, but I would mirror it to the noise around candidate experience that's probably being talked about for the last decade. But are we actually seeing any real significant change in uh, diversity inclusion from a leadership perspective and a pipeline perspective? I think the same conversations keep coming up. So, uh, you know, look forward to hearing what Trina's got to say about it too. Trina, what's your what's your take on it? Yeah, so I, I would say to echo Charu's points, there has been a lot of kind of noise. I think here, especially I can speak on behalf of those in the United States, um, you know, due to the specific uh, current occurrence of events that happened actually over a year ago um, with regard to the death of George Floyd, it did prompt uh, a, a surgence of interest, I'll say, and uh, diversity and inclusion in the workforce. So 
I have seen kind of on a small scale where they're the Fortune 500, for example, list this year will include the diversity inclusion rankings, which I'm very interested to see, as well as the SEC, um, public companies here um, are having to report on uh, talent, which includes diversity, mobility, turnover, and recruitment. So I think there's some baby steps that are being made. There's some strides uh, that are seeking to help companies be accountable. Um, But again, I think there are definitely uh, baby steps that are being taken. Trina, I'm going to sort of stick with you to answer this question, this question first, which is one about bias and particularly bias in recruiting. What what are the sort of common key biases that you kind of see in recruiting? Yes. So I think uh, the most common biases are obviously uh, photos, right? So um, they're looking for either likability or or attractiveness or something, uh, coupled with uh, maybe the name of the person, which might denote their ethnicity or where their their origin of where they may have been born, um, as well as names, which is also uh, another opportunity to try to actually gauge where they may come from. And I think those are the top ones that we're seeing across the board. And Chari, what are your thoughts in terms of the the bias that we're seeing in recruiting or the biases that we see in the recruiting process? Yeah, I, I think the, the ones that you've labelled, Trina, I'd, I'd agree with. I think the last 12 months, from a pandemic perspective, there's been a, a an added layer of bias. Um, I've always worked globally, so I might be based in London, but my uh, stakeholders and, and my world has been very much global. And I think this whole, because we're working from home or predominantly been working from home for the last 12 months, there's been an additional bias that um, has been brought to the forefront. You know, you know, you can tell and have a lens into how someone lives much more than you were when you were in the office, when you were coming to the office all suited and booted, if you will. And I think that, you know, you know, from things like bandwidth issues, when you're talking to somebody that perhaps, you know, is in a country where it hasn't got strong bandwidth and therefore interviews need to be rearranged more than once uh, to how uh, their office set up is, is set up. Indeed, do they have an office? So I think those kind of biases which we perhaps wouldn't have even talked about five years ago, um, are becoming more and more prominent. And I think how we then face up to those as talent leaders and technology partners makes for an interesting conversation and a really important one too, as we think about the hybrid model that a lot of forward-thinking organisations are talking about and uh, deploying um, in the next six months. Yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, that's such an interesting point in terms of there are camera lenses pointing into into everyone's into everyone's house now. So the 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 levels of assumptions and bias and perceptions that people can have are sort of massively massively amplified. Going to sort of stick stick with recruiting just for uh, just for a second, and Jerry, I'll stick I'll stick with you. What 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 are you seeing from the companies that you've been working for in in terms of how they've been trying to find more diverse talent at that talent acquisition stage and what's been working what's what's not been working sure so i think um there's been a lot of um focus on attraction as i said so uh, my uh heart always sits with branding because that's where i spent most of my career and i think a lot of work's already been done on uh, by the organizations that get this around the words and the language we use in our comms so be that on our job adverts uh, be that on how we think about web copy and in the way that we showcase our employees. So, you know, visual imagery and, and, and visual language, those type of things, I think we've taken more than baby steps on, which is only but a, a positive. Um, I think what's being done really well, so people like EY, uh, IBM, Unilever, I would call out, 
they're, they've been piloting um, small initiatives that have helped, you know, things around neurodiversity, uh, thinking about social mobility. I think Deloitte have done some really fantastic work around social mobility. So I think the recruitment lens of not just thinking about this as a, um, a an attraction piece has been a really positive point. And I think for me, when I um, think about what does good recruitment look like, it's um, it's having organizations being brave enough to pilot something in the DNI space to help DNI recruitment, but then actually go, well, this isn't working and stop it. I think when it go when people invest too much, whether that's dollars or uh, you know sponsorship, it becomes really hard to backtrack. So you know, versus safe space in recruitment, I think it's brave space. Let's pilot something. Is it working? Is it getting tangible results? Because it's around you know, measuring, you know, what's the impact of this? Is it working? And if it's not, let's try something else. And I think some of the organizations I've mentioned have done a really good job doing some small scale pilots, which then they can now make much more scalable. Charu's very much got a, a brand focus. And Trina, I know you've got very much got a sourcing sourcing focus in terms of in terms of what you do. So give, give us your perspective in terms of what companies are trying to do to, to, to source more diverse talent and what's working, what's not working, what do they need to think about? Yeah, sure. So I think that what they're continuing to do is look at solutions and tools. I think that they have kind of uh, realized that they need to invoke some technology to be successful, right? So some of the things I've seen that have been non-technical are, you know, partnerships with various colleges and universities, HBCUs, for example, or partnerships with specific allied groups based on ethnicity or gender. So joining and becoming uh, advocates and a part of specific groups or organizations that may be women in leadership, for example. Um, I've seen an uptick personally in, uh, in companies reaching out to me asking me for uh, similar colleagues that are probably women of color uh, for roles they have open as well. Um, at the end of the day, if you're looking to source a large quantity of, of job opportunities across the spectrum of professional roles, you're going to need to invoke some technology. So I think companies are kind of moving. Obviously, they're, they're using some LinkedIn and even those companies are realizing that may not be enough. And they're looking to kind of uh, really develop their tech stack, if you will, within the recruitment technology space. Absolutely. And I'm I'm gonna come back to I'm gonna come back to that in a second because I think the the technology conversation is 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 a very interesting part of this debate. But I don't really feel we can go any further in a in a conversation about diversity without first talking about inclusion. And I know Charo, you were actually on the podcast a few I think it was a few months ago. It may have been a year ago. I'm not not, not sure my, my brain doesn't is not very good at remembering exactly when I had my episodes. But we were talking about inclusion in, inclusion there. So um, I mean, give us give us your views on once you've created a di- diverse workforce or you're seeking to create a diverse workforce, how do you ensure in- in- inclusion? How do you ensure that people feel welcome and stay with the business? Sure. So uh, I firmly believe, and, I, and I've been saying this for you know, seven or eight years now, that you start with the inclusion. You start don't start with the diversity. So I think until you have an, an, an organisation that has a culture where people can feel that if they want to be able to bring their full selves to work, they can. And I say that slightly differently to how I said it a year ago, because I've been doing a lot more reading around this in terms of the dicta around bringing your whole self to work has got its own kind of implications to it. So I think building an inclusive culture um, where people are welcomed, where people can thrive, but also that an organisation has forensically um, looked at processes and protocols that are keeping uh, unrepresentative 
groups back is the first step before you start thinking about um, diversity recruitment. And I think what's really interesting, certainly in the last five years, the first step organisations seem to take when they think about, oh, gosh, I need to look at a DNI because my competitors are or it's become important is let me go and hire a diversity recruiter. Let me go and hire a diversity consultant. Let me go and hire a head of DNI that often sits to uh, reports to HR. So I think the inclusive culture and the equity, i.e. looking at processing and controls, uh, looking at the culture, dismantling where there are biases is the first step. And then uh, you look at diversity recruitment. And I don't think I actually answered your question, but that was important for me to say. It's about inclusion first, not diversity. <laughs> no, absolutely. But just to, I suppose just to dig in a tiny bit deeper to that, what's the what's the role of leadership in this? You, you sort of mentioned that, and I've seen this with countless employers employing diversity recruiters or having a head of DNI who is part of the HR team. You know, what's the role of leadership? within the organization in terms of building inclusive inclusive workplaces and and are any companies getting that right yes and thank you for the question because i I love it so um how are companies doing it well i'll talk to that in a second but the role of leadership is is really fundamental we can't you can't do this in organization without it being role model from the top for it not being something that is not just seen as important, but also accountable and, and measured, uh, not vanity metrics, because that's really easy just to look at the front end and the top of the funnel, but actually looking at everything internally, where are people leaving? Why are they leaving? How are they leaving? Um, so I think it's it's key. It requires leaders to be accountable. It requires re- leaders to role model their behaviours and take themselves sometimes into an uncomfortable space. Um, I've just done a, a project at a seven, eight months at a tech organization where the entire board were white male Americans, bar one leader that was HR. And actually, in my first week, because I was brought in to look at branding and inclusion, I pointed this out and said, you know, what are we doing about this? And I was told you that's for that's for later on in the day. So it sort of it requires people to feel um that their leaders aren't just saying this. It's not just um, a initiative and DNI is an initiative, but as I said, accountable, make movable changes, uh, role model behavior. And then something that um, Adam Grant shared yesterday in a podcast I was listening to, which I thought was really interesting. Um, DNI and the values a business has isn't just around, you know, what are painted on the walls or on a wonderful manifest or on a website. It's the, the, the behaviors that are tolerated. Um, so I think it's, you know, Role modeling is really important. If we're saying bringing in um, women of color, um, if we're saying bringing in um, un, uh, you know, poorly represented minorities into the organization, it matters in every single team and every single function. Um, and how then that is then communicated externally and internally is a, something that leadership need to take hold of and not just see it as a 2021 program uh, or, or kind of goal. Absolutely. And Trina, the, I suppose the same set of questions to, to, to you because they're kind of, they're sort of slightly stacked up there. So to kind of go back to the, the original question, if you want to create a diverse workforce, you have to in, ensure inclusion. Give, 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 what, what's your sort of take on that? Or what are you, what are you seeing? Yeah, absolutely. So I definitely think um, to, to I wholeheartedly agree with Teru that it does start at the top. It has to start at the top because if not, then no one will actually follow it. I think you need to have clear executable actions um, and checkpoints so that we don't go a whole year and realize in December that we've not hit these these mile marks. I think when I think of inclusion, I think of that I can 
come to work and be my authentic self, right? I don't have to make excuses for why is my hair so curly or, <laughs> or any of these oddities that people tend to look at. I think that, uh, you know, everyone simply wants to um, be able to fit in. And by that, I mean, have their own voice, um, march to their own beat, not have to fit into a mold that may be coming from a corporate perspective. Uh, and that leadership top down has specific benchmarks um, and that, Again, at all levels, you're able to see a representation of, of all people. And when you look at processes, specifically even starting with the actual job description, that is where it actually starts, that, that the job description is written in a way that is unbiased and um, that everyone would gravitate toward, as well as performance reviews. So all of the documentation and processes along the way within an organization need to be on par with the whole mode of being an inclusive workforce because it all works together. Absolutely. And I want to sort of dig a bit deeper into into technology now and maybe kind of approach this question from a from a couple of different angles. So Trina, you, you work for a, a, a technology a technology company, and I'm, I'd be really interested to kind of hearing more about what you do, more about how you help, what, what, what you're what you're seeing. Going to Charu first, just to ask a kind of a more general question about technology. Charu, what, what's your view in terms of the role that technology can 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 play in increasing diversity in the work in the workspace? So I think technology is a bit like data. We shouldn't be enthralled to it. We should use it and allow it to enable us to, to kind of solve the problems that we've identified. So I think um, where I love technology and where I've implemented it in all my organisations is part of the tech stack where we've decided and defined what is the problem statement we're trying to solve, where technology ends up trying to solve everything or is seen as a silver bullet. You know, I brought in X technology, therefore everything is solved in that space is where it goes horribly wrong. Um, because like data, you know, if you if you use it badly or if you don't implement it well or it's not uh, understood, it doesn't do a great job. So I think technology is a, a massive positive. I'm, I'm a fan of, of many uh, organisations that I've personally implemented and, and see the work they do. Um, but I think it very much depends on, you know, what's the problem statement? And that's something that organisations need to define themselves, not just think, oh, so-and-so is using X, let me bring that into because every organisation's problems are going to have a different nuance to them and are going to be slightly different. So I'm um, you know, big fan of some of the organisations out there, uh, but I'm also a massive advocate um, for doing small-scale pilots um, and I think that's because not because I'm risk averse, but I think this is too important a topic to let a big implementation fail. And then everyone thinks, oh, well, we should just leave the whole DNI space. So I think it's um, defining the problem, implementing it well, and then tracking the results. So, Trina, you you work for a technology company that's that's in this space, and sort of yesterday I was learning more about the the technology that you have and 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 what you do, and I think there's some there's some fa- fascinating things underlying that. So, give us your I suppose firstly give us your perspective in terms of what technology's role is in in solving this 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 kind of issue, but also tell us more about what your what your system does. Yes. So, first of all, um, you. Technology cannot be everything to everyone. So I wholeheartedly agree. And I think at Tillinga, what we have done is uh, we are focused specifically on diversity sourcing. So while our uh, technology can be used to source a plethora of candidates across the spectrum, our bread and butter, the challenge, the problem that we solve is specifically regarded 
and related to diversity sourcing. So we're looking at companies that have specific benchmarks, um, measurements, specific directives that are coming probably from the top, right, um, to help them meet and exceed those, those goals. And so we're using our technology, which is, it is AI powered. It is data and behavioral science uh, coupled with a lot of complex uh, algorithms and data points to really uh, uncover and find talent, diverse talent that most companies and recruiters and sourcers cannot find um, using some popular tools um, and or job boards and websites to find candidates, right? So we know that it's more than that. We're able to actually um, find candidates that have a digital footprint. So our database currently tops 1 billion in number. So if you are on social media, if you're on Indeed, if you're on LinkedIn, if you're in a in a uh, in GitHub or uh, Stack Overflow, any of those um, very popular sites uh, and more, and this small thing called Google, we're able to actually uh, get your digital footprint and um, provide a diverse talent pool. Um, top of funnel for candidates to uh, not necessarily give anyone preferential treatment, but to really just even the playing field across uh, talent actually qualified and targeted and prioritized by their merits. So our solution doesn't just not only give you these additional candidates that you're not finding, but we're able to actually use our algorithms and give you a prioritized targeted list um, with a match score of the candidates that you can then browse, not looking at images, not looking at photos, not looking at their names, to simply go off of their merit to find qualified talent. I think what's interesting there in relation to the to the wider conversation is you're 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 using you're using kind of AI to to really solve an issue with recruiters being able to find and identify diverse talent in in all the places that, that that they would look and i wonder whether some of that issue is caused by the platforms themselves but also some of it is caused by the the biases that the recruiters themselves have and i think there's just a really interesting application of of, of technology at one part of the uh, one part of the funnel basically absolutely absolutely and we're, we're seeing you know sometimes recruiters or sources are also looking at you know specific colleges or universities right so maybe they only want ivy league they only want candidates from certain uh, universities as well. So there are a lot of, of, of biases that our, our solution will help um, uh, cover and ensure that these, uh, you know, unconscious biases are not utilized to actually find candidates while also ensuring a diverse talent pool, again, based on merit, because that's very important. I don't want anyone to leave our conversation thinking that in order to get a diverse talent pool, you need to lessen or weaken the skill set of candidates. It's absolutely not true. Um, there's just, you know, candidates that we find, that we can find worldwide, that most companies simply cannot. And using one or two popular tools is simply not going to be enough to help them achieve their specific specific goals and to ensure that they diversify their workforce. Chari, coming back to you, that's a that's a real sort of, I suppose, a, almost a process bias that recruiters have in terms of where they where where they look and how, how they find talent. What's your what's your perspective on that? Yeah, I think it's a bias, but also to be you know have to give credit to recruiters. A lot of them are bogged down by too many requisitions. Often they're they're doing admin um, rather than you know just one hundred percent sourcing. So any technology that can help them bring uh, to their hiring managers a slate of candidates that they wouldn't have seen before is only but a positive. And I think, you know, to, to sort of uh, to the point, I think technology can enable that. Um, what it can't 
help us do though is the kind of the hiring manager bias. So I think that's what I'm saying. They have to go hand in hand. But I think bringing two recruiters and hiring managers, um, divert candidates that aren't perhaps uh, tapped um, naturally on the tools that you've just mentioned um, is only but a positive. And I think there's something around speed as well, because we've all met those hiring managers. I've lived my life you know, with them where it's like, yeah, I want the best person they're on. I know that we've got a, a target to bring more women into our industry, but I need that job filled in three weeks. So, you know, I'll just tap into my network. And, and then where you then have the network, which is, you know, a very homogenous population. So I think a technology that can bring speed and agility um, so the hiring manager understands that, yes, we've got the best people for the job and actually it's newer people, different people is but a positive because hiring managers, however um, vested they are in the diversity targets and, and the good ones are, they ultimately want to fill that sales job. They ultimately want to fill that that, that headcount as quickly as possible. Um, so I think it's that the agility that some of the technology brings to, to recruiters is really positive. That makes perfect sense. And uh, again, this is a conversation I'd love to carry on for the next half an hour because I think there's some there's some fascinating things here that it would be great to dig dig deeper into. But we're, we're coming up to the sort of the end of our time. So I, I want to sort of ask a last question and I'll ask this to, to, to Trina first. So very much this event is sort of focused on the future, looking at you know, where we might be in a year or sort of two two years time. What what vision do you think we should have of the future as an industry when it comes to diversity, equity and inclusion? I think that we're going to definitely have to embrace even more technology. I think it is going to, um, to Charu's point, um, expedite the process for sources and recruiters who do have a very challenging role. Uh, it is going to expedite and save them lots of time, provide them those quality candidates in that one week, two week, three week time frame, I see it just becoming, uh, just really exploding. I think we are just scratching the surface of what it will be. I think the the use of images and facial recognition is going to, I think it's going to probably disappear because it's so discriminatory. And I think there's so many <laughs> people that are crying out about this specific use of, of images and photos. I think we'll see less of that and, and more really, um, you know, zero use of photos, zero use of names, um, maybe even zero use of colleges and universities. I think it's just going to be, uh, we're going to see more of, a, of an even playing field, uh, utilizing technology and removing even more of those unconscious bias at the recruiter, sourcer, hiring manager and corporate level. And Cherry, same, same question to you. What vision of the future should we have as an industry? So I think uh, two things. I think, first of all, as an industry, I would hope that rather than having this sort of throw as much spaghetti on the wall and see what sticks approach to DNI, we have a playbook of recruitment. The industry has a cohesive way of looking at things uh, that got agility but have been proven and are measurable. So it's much more a playbook approach versus just a, a myriad of different sort of options. And I think the, the second point is um, thinking about technology. And an enablement is absolutely key because I think that will help us uh, in exploring different types of technologies, but also not losing fact um, that a lot of the technology um, and the fact that we're working more remotely can bring also some discrimination. So uh, there was a PricewaterhouseCoopers um, survey released this morning that talked about something like 50% of employees that were surveyed experienced some kind of discrimination because they were working from home uh, around accessing career mobility and training. So I think we, um, the conversation and the vision of technology and our industry should also be a deeper one and not just a surface level. You know, it's it's a force for good, absolutely. But like the images point that you made, Trina, uh, I think we've all seen the Netflix documentary around how 
uh, negative it can be to, to sort of think about um, the way that imagery is used and, and sort of data is used. So I think the second point, as I said, our industry needs to look at things not just on the surface level, which is, I think, where some of us are playing, but also as a force for good, where, are the, where can we mitigate risks? Because there are risks. I think ultimately it's a massive positive. It will help optimise and reach out to candidates in a much more effective way. So, yeah. Thank you both so much for your uh, your time and your insights. That was a, an absolutely fascinating conversation. I'm going to ask you to turn your cameras and your mics off. And I am once more going to invite Peter back to the Zoom stage but for the next bit. And I'll see you after the break. My thanks to Trina, Charu and everyone at TA Tech. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time. And I hope you'll join me. This is my show.